This episode of A Little Juju Podcast is brought to you by The Hour. The Hour is a lifestyle brand that offers a wide range of products from herbal workings to unique designer fashions. All of the herbal workings are handcrafted and bathed in good juju by its creator, Mama Zodi. So run on over to their site and sign up to be notified of when their limited edition fashion drops happen. And this is a side note. They ain't paying me to say this, but the stuff is cute that they got coming. <laughs> their site is www.thehourll.com. And that's three lowercase l's to make the Roman numeral three. So it's the hour three. And also check out their Instagram at the underscore hour LLL. All you need is a little juju. Hello, hello, and welcome to a little juju podcast. This is the podcast all about black as spirituality, honoring our ancestors, ourselves, you know, learning more about African traditional and diasporic religions and decolonizing our spiritual practices and traditions one episode at a time, because I believe that liberation and our healing first exists in the spirit and in the spiritual realm. I'm your host, Juju Bay, and I come to this show. <coughs> oh my God. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm your host, Juju Bay, and I come to this show as clearly a girl who can't swallow and her stuff going down the wrong pipe, but a healer, a psychic, a Reiki practitioner. Um, what else am I? Really tired, is late, and I just got finished co-leading a book club, book study with LaVon. So it's a little late. Um but an enthusiast, a religion enthusiast, and of course, a bad bitch witch. And thank you for joining me for another episode. Yay! Uh, so today I'm so excited to offer this episode to you all during October. Well, it's not October yet, but it's going to be October when y'all hear this, which means it is Hoodoo Heritage Month, which is a month that was... Um, put together or at least named by Mama Rue. I have an episode with Mama Rue. Y'all should check that out. And so um, some hoodoos recognize October as the month to celebrate the culture, the tradition of hoodoo. And um, also October is spooky season, right? Like, ooh, okay. Like it's giving owls, it's giving spirits, it's giving ghouls and ghosts, it's giving zombies. So happy spooky season, happy fall um, I'm so excited for October, not the weather. Cause I'm a summer, I'm a hot girl in the summer, but just for spooky season and, and hoodoo heritage month and for the, our interviews that we have lined up for you in October. So I hope you all enjoy, sit back and relax and let's get into it. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is all you need. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju, a little juju, a little juju. A little juju is the way. It's how I start my day. Confirm no say. And I'll never get played. I'll take your photo to the grave. But that ain't even my thing. I just stay at the crossroads, pray. I just pour a little honey from my face to make them stay. Cause I hate when bay leaves, but I manifest a little with my bay leaves. I 
give him everything that they gave me, yeah. So I can't be stopped. Manifested everything, give me props. I'm spiritually rounded while I'm on the top. My spirit's surrounded, so I'll never drop, drop. A Little Juju podcast is written, hosted, and crafted by me, Juju. And this process is a labor of love, but it is labor nonetheless because podcasting is not free. It takes time, money, and resources to produce this show for you, which is why contributions are so important. And there are a few ways to donate to the show, both monetarily and non-monetarily. So monetarily, the first way I'll mention is through Patreon. So Patreon is a way that you can contribute to the show monthly. So on the first, around the first of every month, Patreon automatically takes out whatever you choose to donate ranging from one dollar to a million dollars as many dollars as you like and uh, this is simply to help support a little juju podcast but depending on your level of donation you may get a few extras I'm thinking ebooks classes discounts updates tutorials my patrons know it's a lot of different things going on in there and that is a wonderful way to be in a committal support system with the podcast. Now, if that's a little too much for you, you're not ready for that, understood, you can always just hit me up on the Cash App, dollar sign, I-T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E, or on Venmo, it's Jujubay, or through PayPal at paypal.me slash J-U-J-U-B-A-E. And for the non-committal ways to donate, that is shouting the show out. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your homie, tell your lover, tell your sister, tell your brother. Tell everyone about a Little Juju podcast who you think would benefit. Shout me out. Repost the episodes when they come out. Just spread, help spread the good Juju gospel. Also, subscribe, rate, five stars on Apple Podcasts. Say, I love this podcast. It's really helped me so much. Those are all the ways that I really, really appreciate and also help contribute to the show. All you need is a little Juju. Okay, y'all. So I know I've been talking a lot about about October, but uh, like I said before, when I'm recording this, it's actually September, and today is technically um, International Podcast Day, and I think last year was the first time I realized that podcasts had an international day, but there's probably an international day for everything, so... Whatever you like to do, look up when the international day is and find a reason to have a glass of wine or water, child. I'm over here drinking my wine. But uh, I just wanted to name that because so many people, so many of you reached out to me, not just only to just wish me a happy International Podcast Day, but sharing so much love that you have for the show, for me, for my words, the quirky things that I do in the show that I didn't even pay attention to. Someone was like, I always love when you burst out in a song. I, always, I love how, you know, you hold yourself with grace in the show. And I'm like, I do that? Oh, I guess I do. I didn't think, you know, I don't know. But I just want to say thank you to everyone who showed me love in the form of in all the forms, uh, and particularly uh, the words of affirmation form, because words of affirmation is my love language, one of my love languages, my primary one. Um, so thank you all so, so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate your words and kindness, and it means the world to me. It, it really does. Like I can't even put into my own words how I feel about my listeners, how I feel about you for taking the time out or, or just making me a part of your day, making me a part of your ritual. So just, I'm sending so much love and just a, such a deep, deep, deep thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, loves, enough of me running my mouth. You know how I can be. 
hence why I have a whole show, right? Um, I want to get right into donations and then we can talk about who our guest is today. Okay, so big, big, big shout out to my newest patrons. Shout out to Janella McKinney. I hope I said your name right. Thank you so much for becoming a patron. Or Janiella. Thank you. Shout out to Duchess Howlett for becoming a patron. Shout out to Eva or Ava. Shout out to Yvonne Harden, to Dominique K. Shout out to Deanna Gibbs, Tani. Thank you so much, y'all. Shout out to Lauren Williams and, and oh my goodness, my throat. <laughs> Those are all my patrons. Thank you all so, 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 so very much for supporting the show. Oh, wait, am I lying? Lauren Williams, Camille Robinson, Tyler Grace, and Petty Mogul. I feel like I might have said y'all last episode, but either way, why not say y'all again? I just want to make sure I had everybody. But thank you all so, so, so much. I appreciate you. I I need you. <laughs> um, and I'm so thankful for you. I'm sharing the energy of abundance with you all just as you share it with me. May you have the resources, the financial resources, the spiritual resources, all the resources that you need to be able to bring your gift into the world, to be able to do your thing, uh, because we need you. So I'm praying for you and sending my ashe over there from the power of the tongue, baby, that you receive all of your blessings um, over and over again, tenfold, a hundredfold, thousandfold. So thank you, thank you, thank you to my beloved patrons. Okay, so today's episode features, I mean, y'all probably saw the title, but Professor Yvonne Chereau, who is the author of one of my favorite books about hoodoo, which is Black Magic. I absolutely love the book Black Magic. Um, It is about African-American religion, African-American spiritual tradition. And this conversation, I love talking to elders because it requires you to think it challenges you in a way um and she's also just brilliant (laughs) so I love having so many brilliant people on the show and scholars she's a scholar like yes we love hoodoos we love practitioners and we also love people who have taken their time and they put their energy towards giving us resources and studying and talking to people, looking at texts. Uh, We need that. We need that too. So I can't wait to get into this interview. She is such a joy to know. Um, And I hope you all enjoy the interview as much as I I did uh, speaking with Professor Chereau. And let's just get right into it. I hope you all enjoy. And of course, this is audio. You can always head on over to Juju Tube, aka YouTube, and watch the visuals. The visuals. <laughs> the visual if you want. All right, y'all. Let's get into it. All you need is a little juju. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a little juju podcast. And hopefully, right now you are watching on Juju Tube, aka YouTube. So you are able to see me and the lovely Professor Chereau that we have today. Thank you so much for coming and being on a little juju podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Thank <laughs> of you. Of course. I'm so happy. So for those of you all who don't know, which if you listen to the podcast, you probably know who Professor Chereau is because I've talked about the book 
uh, Black Magic a lot. It is one of my favorite hoodoo books. It is, I think it's necessary reading. If you are a hoodoo, want to be a hoodoo, are interested in hoodoo, this book is so important and has been pivotal in my own journey. Um, so get the book, y'all. I just got to say that if you want to know more about hoodoo. Um, but Professor Sherrod, like, before we get into that and your book and what I love about it, can you just tell us a little bit about your background, like your spiritual background? Like how were you raised spiritually? And where are you from? <laughs> All right. So this is good. So, but I just have to say, so my husband said to me today, well, what are you doing today? Cause he, he's a professor too. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I'm talking to Juju Bay. He was <laughs> like, what's that? And I was like, I know. Well, she is, you know, I said, she's a podcaster. She does this and this and she's an influencer. And he said, what's that? (laughs) And I said, well, you know, it's something that these young people do. And then I realized that I'm a 20th century person. They they didn't have this back then. Mm -hmm. And it really made me think about something because I'm technically an elder now. I just turned 60. But Mm -hmm. the past more than anything is present. And I'm Mm going to talk a little bit about that today when we get into it. But what I'm seeing is that the young people, and in particular, young people who are spiritual and into African spirituality, they are for validation. Even though we live in the future, the internet, the digital, and the influences, and all this stuff, what we really are doing is recovering our past, and particularly the and with everything we just I just thought about that this morning because we were like oh this is something that the young people do in the digital and you know it's true but at the same time we are the past is present mm-hmm. the past is present so so as far as me um so I'm from New York originally my father is uh he was he's he's gone now uh, he was an immigrant from the French Antilles. That's the, the West Indies, the French West Indies. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mother is, uh, she's from originally from the South, but she, she, her roots are very hard to trace, like, like most of us, but she was raised in New York too. Um, so I, you know, growing up in New York at the time, uh, we lived in St. Albans, which was a a black community that was mm-hmm. kind of changing, um, and then you know became more 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 mixed, and then it 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 changed. But at the time, uh, we were bused into the schools uh, in in New York. We were bused. It, it was the busing thing, and that was where I really began to think about wow, what you know, education mm-hmm. and history and and all the things that you know as kids you don't really think about. Um, as far as my religious experience, uh, my father put me into the Catholic school and I hated it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that didn't last because that was so difficult. Um, and then we went to the public school where we were bused. But I, uh, I jumped around from different traditions. Um, I was always fascinated by religion. Catholicism fascinated me, but it didn't reach my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, as as uh, I got older, we became part of the Black church, several different Black churches. And then as I got older into college, I was investigating multiple religions. So mm-hmm. my journey was naturally very diverse and eclectic. Um, I think all of us have that. We have a yearning to find something. We can't name it. 
-hmm. We can't tell what it is. This is just something that drove me a lot. I, I did not know that you could do this for a living, though. Mm -hmm. I didn't know there was such a thing as religion professors. Mm -hmm. um, but it sort of opened up to me because of my love for this. Okay. That sounds a lot like my background, too. Very diverse, very eclectic, Catholic school, yeah. trying a yeah. whole bunch of different things and studying. Yeah. And yes, I, I identify with that. So now, how would you identify yourself uh, religiously or spiritually, if you're okay with saying? Well, I'm not part of the church. I'm not, I'm not, I do not consider myself a Christian, but, you know... <laughs> I think most of us in the United States, whether or not we identify as Christians, it's like it, it's an umbrella that informs everything we do. Mm -hmm. um, I have been in, initiated into an African based religion, mm -hmm. but I'm not practicing. I'm not in priesthood. Um, mm -hmm. So I, you know, what I find is that I, I love it all. I consider myself um, a priest to my ancestors. That mm -hmm. That's really where I am now. Mm -hmm. And it, it's one of those things that I hear more and more people coming to. Um, I, I serve ancestors. And the thing is, the beautiful thing about uh, ancestral reference, not ancestral worship, is that you can come from any religion. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying too. So, mm -hmm. so I would not put a label on myself, except I really want to see myself as an a scholar or a an investigator mm -hmm. let's say an investigator of religions mm -hmm. they're all good they, mm -hmm. even the ones that we don't like uh mm -hmm. they're all good to me mm -hmm. okay Ashe, i received that um so let's talk a little bit about hoodoo let's talk a little bit about conjure um what was your first so it's so interesting i guess my question is mm, how do you define hoodoo let's start there yeah, isn't that great? So, you know, this is like a double question because there's the family experience, the cultural experience that we have in our right. first encounter. And then there's the academic side or whatever we read, you know, right. academic or whatever. So uh, my first encounter was was through, you know, hearing about it through the family, those whispers, those hush mm -hmm. tones, you know. Um, and in fact, my mother had a hoodoo story with her first husband, but she didn't tell me till later. Mm -hmm. Um the academic side was where I, I first began to try to struggle to come up with a definition. Um, and this is something, by the way, that uh, people who study religion often struggle with. Religion is uh, a creation of the academy. It's a creation of the scholars. In and of itself, religion does not exist. It's mm. as if you're trying to take a portion of one's life or one's culture, pull it out artificially and say, that's religion. Um, and we know that, that that's, that's sort of a, a classification game. So it's not real, but it doesn't stop, you know, religion people from arguing about it for a hundred years when we arguing about it. So right. as far as hoodoo is concerned, the way that I define it, I see it as an African American ancestral, ancestral tradition mm -hmm. by which black people related to the spiritual and the supernatural realm. And that last piece often gets me into trouble because one of the things that we've learned, and this is all very recent, I would say in the past 30 years, we know a lot more about how to think about religion, but the idea of the supernatural mm -hmm. or a realm or a notion or a concept that exists beyond what is natural, that's an artificial understanding, particularly of indigenous religions, whether they're African or Native American Indian religions. 
there is no supernatural. There mm-hmm. is no separation. Right. So even using that kind of terminology, which is borrowed from kind of our Western mm-hmm. scientific classification, it just doesn't work. And that happens again and again when you try to look at Africana. I, I use the term Africana to include religions of the diaspora and Africa. Right. When you try to study them or when you try to look at them. They don't fit into any of the boxes. So that's right. how I got into it. I was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading these sources about uh, slavery. And this is why I went into religion. I really, really wanted to know more about slavery and religion. There was only one person who wrote one book on it. And actually, uh, uh, he's Ibei. He passed away today. His name is Albert Rabito. He wrote the only book on slave religion. And I said, mm-hmm. I'm going to work with this guy. Mm-hmm. And I was so arrogant. He was at Princeton. I was like, I want to work right. with him because I want to learn. And so I, I went to Princeton, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. But he looked at the religion of slaves and, or enslaved people. And what he found was that was there was a hidden world. He calls this the invisible institution, mm-hmm. the invisible institutions of religion. And within that hidden world, There was a religion, a magic, however you term it, that people didn't have a word for. We now call it hoodoo, conjure, goofer. It's regional voodoo. It Mm -hmm. it depends on where you are. But trying to understand what our ancestors, what enslaved people did, that that, it just wasn't done. So Professor Rabito wrote this book and I was like, you know, it's like one little chapter, not even a chapter, a few pages about uh, conjuring and I was like that's what I'm going to study and yeah. so out of that I wrote my my dissertation which became a book but mm-hmm. a lot of these these ideas are emerging and mm-hmm. and this is and let me just say one more thing because I you know I, I know and I tell this to my students I know y'all ain't going to major in religion I know y'all ain't going to major in history everybody wants to make some money but <laughs> being able to tell the story of your ancestors Mm -hmm. of Black people was such an honor and a privilege because prior to, I would say even prior to the 19, I was in school in the 80s, the 1970s, it was not us that was telling the story. That became a mission for me and a lot of people in that generation. And again, my professor was, you know, he's, he's a, God bless him, Black man. But one out of you know so many people who looked at this so I tell this to my students you know you don't have to major in this you don't have to it would be great but you really do want to be about telling your own story you you, it's a kind of empowerment to be able to tell your own instead of having someone else tell your story or name you Mm -hmm. and so with hoodoo and even that we see that and I'm sure we're going to get into that who gets to name who doing what it is, who gets to call it, you know, what it is. Mm-hmm. So important that we do this. And I'm, I, and I'm speaking specifically about black people. Right. Um, we can talk about the other people later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, there's so many good things that you said. Um, when bringing hoodoo or quote unquote magic or whatever to the academic space, yeah. I guess what are some pros that come with that and also some cons that come with putting our traditions out to be studied and investigated 
um, in that particular way. And I think about this, even with me having a podcast about, about this and creating a platform rooted in, in our, in our traditions, like what have you found sort of has been beneficial to that, but also could be a drawback um, in, in these definitions and defining and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's a really good question in part because we're dealing with living traditions, right? Right. So, you know, where I work, you know, in my department, there are people that study, I call them dead, but that's, that's rude, right? But religions that aren't, you know, so ancient religions, they look at texts and books and things like that. Um, But the people who study living traditions, by and large, it's Islam, Christianity, and maybe Judaism, right? It's only recently that we can even talk about indigenous African religions as a living tradition. And if you think about that, that's extraordinary, right? Mm -hmm. Because they, you know, (laughs) I have some friends, God bless them, evangelicals, fundamentalists, and so forth. You know, they're like this, you know, they, they, they probably hope that African religions would go the way of, you know, the Greek religions. You know, they want they want them to come into the 20th, 21st century. Yeah. They're trying to convert people from indigenous religions. So the idea that these ancient religions are alive and well and growing, that is profound. Yeah. That is worth studying because that's the question I get. I, I get calls all the time. And I wrote my book over 20 years ago. They're like, oh, what is this thing? What 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 are these people doing? What are these, what are these young people doing? Why are people turning back to these things? So mm-hmm. to me, that is one of the benefits of studying the religions. Now, let me just say this, and you probably know this, and your listeners know this. I mentioned evangelicals and Christians, Christian missionaries and so forth. God bless them all. I don't hold much against them. They were the ones who were, to their benefit, studying Uh, African and indigenous religions. We have missionaries from the 15th century that go into Africa and they study and they report back and then they, you know, then they bring the the guns, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the guns behind them. So the scholarship of this stuff has been going on way, way longer, but it's been done mainly from within the Christian and uh, uh, theological uh, tradition. So for that reason, I think that bringing this into the academy, bringing this into uh, scholarship is really, really important. And then that other reason that I gave before, we get to tell our own story. So when I started, there were very few black people and nobody wanted to get a PhD. I think that's changing, although, you know, it's, it's kind of tricky now because people want to make money, you know, getting a PhD don't guarantee you no money, but ne- but it's changing. So mm-hmm. you get to recover your, your own story. That is also a challenge. And this is the challenge. I guess this is the con part. Um, when you put people under a microscope, that, that's the work of anthropology, right? Mm-hmm. To study the human condition. The, you know, there, there are there are ways that people do this do you remember or you know that you know the anthropologists would go into the field and go and live among the primitive people and they would bring a lot of baggage to studying people so anthropology itself had to change and adjust this to this that's sort of recent the con of it and the thing that I get pushback from my students a lot of times is that well black folk we don't want to be studied. We, we don't want to be put under the microscope. And, you know, and, and if we're going to be studied, it better be Black people studying us. 
right. that hasn't been the case. And, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, it's not really the case for Africana religions. It's again, it's changing. I can name on both hands the people that I know that actually do this, but the, the real tension and a suspicion, as you can understand, because people used to go into our communities, study, and then, you know, uh, present their findings. And sometimes right. the findings were really problematic. Sometimes they were good. Sam, the same thing happens with Hoodoo and Conjure, mm. all right? So outsiders, um, I'm sure y'all know some of, the, some of the famous books from the 20th century. A lot of them were written by white people, mm-hmm. white scholars. Some of them weren't even white scholars. One, one of them is by a, a, an Episcopalian priest named Hyatt. They go into black communities and they're trying to get information. And then they, they, they go and publish it. Zora Neale Hurston was the exception. She was a, a, black, a black scholar who went into the field, who went into these communities to study hoodoo and magic, and then presented, presented her findings in different ways. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of suspicion about that. And then uh, this, the third part, which is what I think you're probably going to get to, is practitioners going into those communities and I'll say it. I, I, I was going to say stealing, but someone's challenging me on that. Hmm. Adopting and appropriating the things that they learn about and study, and then you know uh, reinterpreting it or presenting it as their own. So that that's a big issue, and that's something that I really want to look closer at. I've been asked to speak about that actually next year. Mm-hmm. Um, the the idea that outsiders to a tradition, what what it means to go in and, and draw from that tradition, and then you know, come up with your own thing, which right. is very American. It's very, it's very American. It's not unique, but that's, that's the cons. Mm-hmm. That's the problem part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, so in talking about how, at least back in the day, it was probably less black people going into community communities and studying hoodoo and presenting findings for a variety of reasons. Now, obviously, more people are doing that. I've been interviewed so many times for college students, people getting dissertations. Like, I always say yes to to the students who are wanting to know more about hoodoo. Mm -hmm. Um, So I definitely see that there is a space and a desire to learn, to present, to be Black, to tell our own stories. Um, Do you think that there is a difference from the way people hoodooed back in the day to the way people who do now, like my generation, and I'm curious just what your perceptions are about what are some similarities and maybe some changings to the definition of hoodoo or how people are quote unquote hoodooing. I don't know why I'm using that word or conjuring. Just like, do you notice any kind of like, oh, we never said that, or this is different, or hmm, I'm just curious yeah. about that. Yeah, absolutely, and that's a that's a good question. Um, I I urge and encourage everyone who's a practitioner to understand the history. I'll mm-hmm. tell you why in a second. The history of, of these traditions, sometimes called hoodoo, sometimes called conjure, sometimes called root or voodoo, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, because if you don't know what people did back then, um, you make it up. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. So what I'm finding today is that uh, it's a very eclectic tradition. I find that young people, particularly young Black people, I'm not talking about the people who embrace hoodoo as a commodity and that's and again i'm not making any judgment on any of this i'm actually fascinated but there are people who just dabble they're dilettantes it's like okay i'll buy this i'll do this you know but um 
the people who are like, okay, I want to understand this, apply it to my life, study it seriously. So to answer your question, it's like, well, yeah, they do it differently from back then, but even back then they were doing it differently. So hoodoo itself has evolved and changed. It evolved immediately uh, after emancipation, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to use the word evolve. It was transformed mm -hmm. after emancipation, after Black people left the context of slavery. It moved with people. It is a highly adaptable tradition to yes. the environment. So depending on when you're talking about, yeah, people today are taking what they need or taking what they want. They're picking, they're choosing. I find a lot of uh, people today, uh, when I say today, like right now, 21st century, are more willing to uh, adapt their hoodoo tradition and include things like tarot or crystals mm. or things that we would normally associate or even uh, witchcraft, which is something I was talking to someone about recently um, that we would normally not associate with the African and the African-based traditions. I see a lot more of that today than I even did in the late, uh, early 2000s, late 1990s when I began to look at that. So yeah, people are, uh, are uh, practitioners today are feel more free to do that, to include other aspects. Uh, we could argue whether that's uh, appropriating, uh, you know, because this is, this is like the big argument that I think people are getting into that, okay, you know, white people appropriate black tradition, but black people appropriate white tradition. So what are you Ooh. doing with a tarot? What are you doing with tarot? Um, things like that. So I, again, I don't like the fights, but the fights again have been going on. When I say who do fights have been going on, I'm sorry. Okay since uh since the 1800s and even earlier wow. um yeah i i kind of lost the beginning of your question too because and i'm sorry about that because the phone rang um so uh what was the first part of your question oh it was just know? what were some of the chain the differences and similarities that you oh, may okay. see okay okay the the biggest difference and i i want to stress this but i i don't seem to be getting it across to people is that Hoodoo was born in slavery for enslaved people, okay? Mm. It was a religion, a spirituality, a magic, whatever category you use, of resistance, mm -hmm. all right? We are not enslaved. We do not require, we don't have, we have similar needs as our enslaved ancestors, but we are not enslaved. So just thinking about the differences conceptually in what a magical or even a religious tradition would offer and do for an enslaved person whose life, their agency, their bodies were under domination, control, constant oppression, danger. We're not like that anymore. Hmm. Thank God we're not like that anymore. Right. I find people act like we like that. I find that they enact almost a, a, an experience uh, of complete lack of freedom, but we're not there anymore. And our ancestors, I, I'll just put that to the side. So that to me is one of the big differences. Hmm. Hoodoo practitioners or practitioners of Africana spiritualities today do not have to do the same things that our ancestors did during slavery. Okay. So what does that mean, Professor Shirell? Does that mean that, you know, we can't resist oppression in the same way? I don't think so. 
I don't think so. And this, and we're going into sort of a metaphysical level. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think, I think that hoodoo, not that it's inappropriate for the kind of resistance uh, that we're dealing with today, but some aspects um, are simply, they're not appropriate. Okay. So mm-hmm. I just contradicted myself. Um, so there was this thing, I might've talked to you about this before. Uh, when uh, Donald Trump got elected in 19, 2016, mm-hmm. a number of and, and friends of mine, uh, you know, uh, people who are magic practitioners, a lot of white people too, uh, wanted to get together and do collective rituals. Um, and it was actually very soon after he got elected. So he hadn't even really done anything except open his mouth. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to do rituals of resistance. And you know, hexing and spells. And, you know, this is yes. a lot of this coming Sorry. out of the pagan and witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I was like, hmm, that's not a good idea. And this is why. And there were a few people in that community who said, that's not a good idea. And this is why. And, the, you know, it was all over the gamut. I did not see many Black people doing it. And I think, I, and I'm not sure why, but I was happy about that mm-hmm. um, for a number of different reasons. I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not being judgmental. I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that says your magic is wrong. You know, I'm not, I'm not, but there are a lot of reasons why that kind of spell work is, you know, may not work. Um, Fast forward to today, we have the uprisings. I mean, I talked to you about this before we have the, the uh, protests after uh, the death of George Floyd and who do practitioners want to, you know, find a way to to utilize the magical tradition mm-hmm. in this moment, in this moment to address, you know, the, 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 the current moment that they find themselves in, oppression, white supremacy, racism, and so forth. You, thinking about you in, in, in this moment versus your enslaved ancestor, you know, who's being whipped, raped, whatever right. they did to us, it's a very different use of the power of hoodoo. I don't see us going all Gullah Jack, all right? So Gullah Jack, as your listeners know, was a, was a freedom fighter in uh, mm-hmm. South Carolina in the uh, 18th century. Um, I don't see us doing that. And I have an idea that I do see us doing things. I know that you were out there doing it during a protest. I've talked to you about this. I know that others are out there supporting and up- uplifting the Black community. Mm-hmm. The alternative is to go Gullah Jack or even or even further to take the root of the magical spirituality of Haiti, of Haiti, mm-hmm. which led to revolution mm-hmm. at that point, at that point. And, you know, I'm calling Voodoo magic slash religion because it's one of these wonderful things that doesn't fit into our categories. But with Voodoo, there's no turning back. All right. So you you die for your freedom. Mm-hmm. I don't know if black Americans are there. That's the kind of thing that I heard growing up in the 70s. Oh, yeah, we're going to die for our freedom. We're, gonna, we're not there anymore. We're, we're in a different place. So this is this is my understanding mm-hmm. of, of, you know, the relevance of hoodoo, of this kind of magical spirituality. And you you might know more about this talking to your, you know, to, to, talking to other practitioners. I don't know if the emphasis is on the, the, the left hand work or the killing or the poisoning, hmm. which was a was I won't say a major part, but it was a good part of yeah. hoodoo back in the, the 18th and 19th century. I don't see that today. 
I know people throw stuff on each other. They do all kinds of stuff. But again, the all or nothing, taking the life kind of thing, I, I don't see that these days. So, I, and I don't know if I want to, <laughs> but I haven't investigated that. So I think my main point is, is that we are, we are not where our ancestors are in terms of the kind of resistance, life or death resistance struggle that we right. find ourselves in. Now, someone can argue this against me because I have people who say, yes, we are. We're being killed. You know, we're being lynched. We're, you know, literally, I had a student say, it is just as bad as it was back in the 18th, you know, mm-hmm. the, the 1800s. And I looked at her like she had two heads. Because I'm like, I, I'm a student of history. And, and for me, that's an impossible statement. So right. this is this is my strong feeling. Um, mm. I can be convinced, I can be argued with, but I see that the kind of hoodoo that's called for today, particularly when we're talking about resistance, it's not so much a resistance against, you know, white supremacy and oppression, but it's about resisting that which brings our community that pulls our community apart. So I know a lot of people are turning instead of to left hand or I don't, you know, there's different terms to uh, uh, aggressive magic or turning to ancestral traditions. Mm -hmm. So you you don't fight with your ancestors. You lift them up because that's where you get the power. Right. I would ask people who disagree with me and that's fine because I love arguments. What is the source of power? that you're using in order to resist the conditions that you find yourself under. So, so mm. we're getting into the weeds. I'm just saying that I feel that this is one of the big differences between the experience that we're having now as a people and the experience that our ancestors had collectively, that they survived and many didn't survive. Mm-hmm. Um, the stakes are still high but it calls for a different kind of magic. And, right. and that's all I'll say. I'm not, I'm not preaching. I'm not telling anyone what to do. This is sort of my observation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, my, that's my way out. Oh, that was good. Okay, I have thoughts. <laughs> hey, good, good, good. Um, so I, I totally agree that we are not living in the same conditions as our ancestors who were enslaved were living under. That is... That's just, I could never fix my lips to say anything like that um, because we're just not. We have a, 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 a certain semblance of freedom that they don't have. To, we, we can't say that we're completely free. Of course not. But no, I'm not waking up and someone owns my body, you know, and, to, and tells me exactly what to do every day. Now, I felt there was a point where you said, like, who do now? It almost... Or I interpret it as maybe hoodoo is not a, necess- a necessary practice for us um, in this day and age because it was born out of enslavement and we are not enslaved as it was born out of. Um, All you need is a little juju. And we also talked about hoodoo being in, being evolutionary or being transformative. And mm-hmm. so it can, can it then still be relevant now, but transform to what we needed to do but still but it's still a necessary part of of who we are um of black folks culturally that we could never divorce ourselves from um and i will also say that you know as a younger practitioner in community with older and younger practitioners i think a lot of younger practitioners are actually resisting um in the ways of 
being willing to lose something um, and doing the left hand work and doing the left hand and, and not necessarily through hexing Donald Trump, but when we're in the midst of uprisings and we, we we're studying the roots that are protective, we're studying the, the prayers that were said that were used before, you know, the pig was slaughtered and, and, um, in IT, you know, it's, it's, I think that we actually are doing that and young people are particularly doing that because we feel that there is a level of like oppression that we experience that of course it doesn't look like our ancestors oppression, but it's still oppression and it's still worth fighting, whether it's an uplifting black folks, or if your work is the left-hand work, if your work is the hexen, if your work is the poor, I mean, we, we can't poison our slave masters anymore. We don't have those, but we can't, people are, (laughs) <laughs> doing juju on things that yeah. that do oppress us they are and on the buildings that do it and where those people work so yes, yes. um yes. Yes. i just had to say that part yeah, no 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 you 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 and, and i agree with everything you're saying i'm not saying that it's not appropriate i'm not saying the kudu is mm-hmm. not appropriate i actually think we need to broaden our definition of what hoodoo is because mm. the associations are oh yeah that's that stuff that people do it's that that's that work yes it's a very it's very negative and it's very scary and that's the thing that i've been trying to that's one of the reasons why i nearly stopped doing this it was like people mm. are enamored with the violence they're enamored with the uh mm. you know it's like my my work on voodoo they're enamored with with zombies and and violence and sex and all this stuff that i'm I, i've lost interest in maybe because i'm too old but also i understand that that becomes a glamour in yes. this world it becomes a distraction um so as far as uh the appropriateness and as far as resistance um left hand work and there, there are other words that people use for this my my point is and this is this i'm coming at this as a historian mm-hmm. um at a time in slavery uh and this is the question i get asked a lot well if who do you know mainly from people who aren't practitioners if this stuff works and actually mainly from Christian people and Christian people includes a lot of Hoodoo practitioners because, yes, it it, you know, it's embedded in that. Um, well, if this stuff worked, why didn't y'all, you, why didn't, why didn't black people use it to get free? <sighs> and so I tell them the story of Gullah Jack. I tell them the story of, you know, individual uh, people, less so collective practices that people use to secure their freedom. Right. But it did make me think about all the cases many, 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 many more cases that I found in that early period of Black people doing stuff to other people. It became part of the social fabric. It became part of the way that people expressed grievances um, against each other. Almost so. It was what I guess they would call it Black on Black hoodoo. Black (laughs) on Black hoodoo became more prevalent Okay, according to the documents that I've read. Now, a lot Mm. lot of this is a secret system. So when I did this work, I had to dig deep into documents. People, and and yeah, it was bad. They were killing, they were poisoning, they were poisoning their own. Yes. And so I'm I'm looking at that. I'm I'm saying, wow, this is something, you know, they they did the, the work of the oppressor for them. But it's also very normal because it became part of a function within mm-hmm. these, these usually tight, smaller communities, in, uh, enslaved communities, whether it's on plantations or whatever, where people adjudicated their grievances. 
but at some point it be, it's, it's like ridiculous you know it's to me it's like ridiculous you're killing you're killing yourself more than these other people I feel mm. that way sometimes today. So mm. when you ask me, well, what can hoodoo do today uh, for people in terms of resistance? I'm like, there's resistance in the Black community that needs to be worked on. All right. So, so yes, I understand police violence. I understand state violence and oppression. But when people are doing stuff to each other, okay, uh, when people are committing violence or sexual assault and abuse mm-hmm. on, on their own, I'm like, wow, mm. where should the resistance be directed? Mm. And how can hoodoo mm-hmm. address that? And that's where I say, I think mm-hmm. we need to do a lot more talking about hoodoo as a healing system yes. and not so much as a harming system. And I talk about that in my book a little. Okay, yes. that was a mouthful. <laughs> no, that was so good. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think we do talk a lot about hoodoo and resistance to white domination, perversion, supremacy, and what could hoodoo and and I'm asking this, but I see it in practice. But like, how can hoodoo support us as Black people with other Black people? How does it uplift us as Black people? How does it bring us more together um, as a community? And I think it does that too. I think that there is this iteration of hoodoo now that is, of course, about you know the uh, addressing the oppressive natures, but also there is there it's bringing families together. It's, it's people having conversations with their grandmothers that they were never having before. I'm one of them and other members of my family. Like it's bringing me to people like you and the podcast and other people who are finding so much healing. I get emails every single day of the work that hoodoo is doing. That's not about left-hand work, even though I don't mind left-hand work. It, it's nothing wrong with left-hand work, but I, I kind of feel like I get to see the, the full spectrum of what it is doing. And I think that these conversations and continuing these conversations more around how can it support us, the sexual violence in our own families? How can hoodoo support that? Like, what are the herbs that help heal us from grief? Like, these are things that I've talked, these are things people are talking about. Yes, there you go. And I think we need more of that because mm-hmm. again, we, we really, I'm not, I'm not going to say me because I'm a squeamish person when it comes mm-hmm. to violence. But in this world, we seem to gravitate toward the glamour of the mm-hmm. violent power, of dominating mm-hmm. power. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about healing, it's, it's, healing is really just about balancing, balancing out that, that dominating violent thing, mm-hmm. whatever, whether it's a disease or whether it's, you know, a, a, a mental, mental oppression or, or grief, as you put. So mm-hmm. I, I'd like to see more of an emphasis on that. But we can hardly get to that because there's such a glamour around mm-hmm. And when I say that, I, I'm really talking about the public perception sure. of voodoo. We've gotten past the voodoo stuff, I think. Although I don't know. Nah. I, you know there's some movies out. There's uh-uh. some movies that came out. I'm like, yo, doing this again. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's a good movie. I'm like, that's, you know, I could have seen that in the 1930s. Yeah. So, but the healing, the balancing, the integ- the integration of these these energies, whether they're the energies of the spirits or whether mm-hmm. it's the energy of the leaf as the root worker does to mm-hmm. me so i'm i'm sort of leaning on that side and okay. i agree we're seeing more of that but i still think the perception and it just occurred to me the reason that many people gravitate to hoodoo and africana magic is because of the power yes so power is something that can be used to heal or to harm and i talk yes. about this a lot in my book it's more this, this, it's not even that you're defending yourself. It's because our world is so filled with 
anger, rage, resentment, you know, um, you know, and here comes my bell hook side. Mm-hmm. We, we, we could use a lot more love power. And I don't mean the kumbaya, I mean the real love power. Um, and that side of hoodoo, it hasn't been, in my experience, explored in the same way. You're making these vital connections. Um, I see a lot of young people that are, mm-hmm. but the way to get there and the way to do this is what I started out with is to go back to the ancestors, go back to the yes. altar, go back to, yes. uh, to yourself in your own divinity. So that's the part that people want to uh, jump over because mm-hmm. they mad. They are, right. or they've been done wrong. Right. And you know what I mean? So, so healing, healing is harder then this other yes. kind of work, this other kind of work, you know it, it can be quick and it's like gratifying. Um, so that to me, I, I want to see that. And I think that's a, a lesson that young people are learning um, right now in this, in this day and age. I was going to ask when you were talking about the perception of hoodoo, I was wondering if you meant like media perception, white people's perception, black people's perception. But honestly, I think a lot of the perception is the same um because when you talk about the violence i think people who are in who are in it who are committed to learning about it understand that uh conjure is all-encompassing but people outside of it even when we're talking about christian folk or whoever when they want to um hurt someone harm someone get something back they go to the root worker they know they don't typically in my experience or what i've read go to the root worker or the conjurer to heal their sometimes sometimes but i know that a lot of it is oh i know that this my man's cheating on me i am i'm having this experience with this lady up the street and she needed to be dealt with and so there is that there still is that perception i know i can go to the juju lady to get control and cause harm to someone and i don't know if people are going to the juju lady because i'm trying to heal my heart um exactly exactly that that's it that's the next stage i i i I will see this before i pass on um so much of what we're talking about and it's not just black american magic traditions but it's it's magic everywhere and it's also religion is about this victimizer and victim Mm. complex that all of us find ourselves in it's a kind of and you know this as as someone who studied psychology Mm -hmm. um there there that must be healed that must be balanced Mm -hmm. out you know, to, to the point where we're, where we're not victims or victimizers mm. so that we can truly be free in this thing. Um, I want to see that, but it, 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 that's the hard work because it's, you know, we're all victims or we're all victimizers. That's, there's no, there's, and especially black people, black yeah. people, it, we must resolve this thing. We're neither, we, we're neither. So, so, and that's, that's, really a mm. philosophical discussion mm. but i think we will see this you know in my lifetime because all match all magics have to evolve all yes. magics have to evolve or else you know they're, they're useless yep. and so i'm seeing a lot of you know healing healing justice you know young people talking about this um i i've yet to see how hoodoo and be, and that and one of the reasons why this is sam is because there's no one hoodoo um, right. And once y'all got on the internet, it's like, well, there's all kinds of hoodoos. There's all <laughs> kinds of hoodoo work. But I would say that if you were to ask me, uh, what is the common, the common basis of all hoodoo work? And I'm talking about Afri- Africana hoodoo, because mm-hmm. um, there are there are others. 
um, it's that ancestral link, yeah. linking to that ancestral heritage. That is the, I mean, and you could, you again, you could do that as a Christian, you could do that as a Muslim, mm -hmm. you could do that whether or not you have religion, but that is the energy that's going to give the power and the validation to your work. So I think when I first met you, when you came to the college, you were talking about, you know, how to set up an altar. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the things that students have asked me about. This is, this is something that is just, I've never seen anything like it, you know, mm -hmm. that people are turning to yeah. their ancestral kin, mm -hmm. they're turning to their lineage, because people tend to think that if you work with ancestors, you know, that, you know, you're working with the dead, and it's kind of woo-woo or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's not, and you know this to be, to be the case, um, it's something universal, you know, we know Italian people, Chinese people, why can't Black people work with ancestors. Right. I think that is a revolutionary movement. Yes. Uh spiritual movement that's in the world today. There's still there's still some resistance. You know, mm -hmm. my evangelical and fundamentalist relatives don't really like that. But even if you press them and if you frame it in a different way, they're like, oh okay, it's not all scary. It's not like the dead are going to come come out and get, you know. So I think that is the revolution that we're seeing. The mm -hmm. connection to those before us for wisdom for power um it's not like you're rejecting god or anything that is the thing that gives hoodoo it's mm -hmm. uh it's 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 uh validation and energy mm -hmm. so i i'm i'm seeing more of that than i've ever seen before yeah and i think that's what's going to carry it to the the next iteration so mm -hmm. yeah that mm -hmm. was a mouthful okay mm -hmm. oh this is so good um oh good I'm not even asking any of the questions I wrote down um but this is so necessary I am curious though uh because we haven't talked about this yet uh do you feel like there's a difference now well let me start by saying yes ancestral veneration is is super important uh always has been but I think now a lot of folks and young people as a young mm -hmm. person are so interested in connecting yes. with their ancestors they know it is important they feel it religion aside yes. they want to do yes. it it's something I talk about all the time and I love talking about it yes. um, the second thing that I think we talk about a lot is that white people should not touch this they should not be around it they should not <laughs> sniff it they should not look at it don't even say who out your mouth <laughs> Like that is, I think, a lot of my generation's yeah. um, thoughts around protecting this tradition from outsiders yeah. after having read and witnessed what it potentially did to your generation having white people poking pride and how we've interpreted that. Yeah. So I'm curious and wondering your thoughts around the openness of this practice. Um, and of course, yeah, just your openness and and just what I said. How does I just want to know your thoughts on <laughs> what I just shared? Yeah, this is the hardest thing, and this is something I get asked about by mainly white people. Mm -hmm. I've been, I've just been asked to speak at this major pay-in conference, and I'm like, I think I'm gonna go down there and make them all upset, but it doesn't have to be upsetting because I'm 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 actually a gentle person. This is a hard question. Mm -hmm. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a way to dodge it, but no, I, I need to come to some conclusions on this because whatever I say, someone's going to be mad. All right. So um, there's a perception that 
hoodoo was somehow stolen. Um, and I'm even thinking in the beginning, hoodoo was stolen by white people. It was used, it was, you know, the secrets of hoodoo were taken by white people. I think that in slavery, at least that's false because what the only reason we know that there was hoodoo was because it was practiced secretly in this invisible institution. Mm -hmm. There was a public, a, a more public hoodoo back then that um, when I say public that, you know, everyone knew about that was really parallel to what white people did. So like the marketeering? No, no, I'm talking really still in the slavery period. Oh, okay, okay. So people who told fortunes, they called them oh, okay. fortune tellers. We mm -hmm. would call them uh, div uh, divination, but there were black people who did that, white people who did that. I don't know if they were exchanging or, but there was a lot of interaction between whites and blacks at an early point. I don't think that the secrets, the stuff that they did in the in the brush arbor or in the in the uh, as part of the invisible institution i don't think that those were passed on of course i'm not sure what they were but i don't think they were passed on when so you say passed on, on what do you mean I, uh given to 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 outsiders to oh okay okay to, uh, to outsiders okay okay so yeah thank you for oh wait you're breaking up huh hold on okay you were Did breaking you up now i can hear you but okay you're, you're i'll start frozen. again but yes yeah. please start again okay can you hear me now yes okay okay all right so after uh emancipation uh the great migration mm -hmm. we know that hoodoo practices come out into the open uh we also know that black folk particularly black folk who were educated and trying to educate their children were strongly against these traditions, all right? And, and ironically, these were some of the first black people to study them. They were trying to wipe them out. We also know that after the migration, we get this kind of urban hoodoo that Katrina, uh, Dr. Katrina Hazard has written about. So that is where white, white hoodoo and black hoodoo really sort of intersect. People are exchanging things, people are commodifying, da, 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 da. So I would say white people was in it at an early point, at a, at a you know, maybe the late 1800s, mm -hmm. if not earlier, if you're not talking about that. Mm -hmm. um, then I would say in the 20th century, you begin to get this notion that uh, white people, uh, first it starts with scholars or, or anthropologists who are like, going in here and you know digging this stuff up um and studying it and making the world to see it you begin to get a perception that they are taking the secrets of the tradition mm -hmm. and then you know using it for themselves for part of the oh, you're breaking people, up again. you know saying that they're who do i broke up again okay now you break back. up again yeah now you're back okay all right, so I, I'm going to try to make this shorter so that you can get it, because I, I think it might be my connection. Let me see. Okay. Um, yeah, it's my connection. Um, the idea that white people stole, appropriated, took hoodoo, mm -hmm. and they're trying to make it their own, that was there at the beginning. All right? Mm -hmm. That is not anything new. It is also true that white people had their own 
magical traditions. Mm -hmm. And in some parts, in the South in particular, it intersected with Black people. Mm -hmm. Right. So today, what we find is what we find with all aspects of Black culture. The white people will take it and make a lot more money on it than for whatever its value than the Black people. I think that's the primary source of the resentment of white people. Not that they're doing it wrong, not that they're, you know, messing, you know, messing it with it or whatever, but that it's become commodified and they are gaining prestige and money to do it. Um, I think that's that. And I, and I think that's a problem. It wouldn't be a problem if Hoodoo wasn't commodified already. Mm-hmm. All right. So I, I was longer a sacred art. It's a commodity. And I'm not, I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not, you know, but this is the 21st century. We buy and sell everything and we got an internet to do it. It might be, and I think that Katrina Hazard was getting toward this too, that authentic hoodoo, what she calls black belt hoodoo, uh, was not meant to be bought and sold in the mm-hmm. same way. Mm-hmm. So this is a long answer to the question of white involvement. I do not have a problem with it because mm-hmm. I do not think that white people have ancestors, black ancestors, ancestors to empower the work. So mm-hmm. they may not have the efficacy, mm-hmm. all right? I think that because we're in this marketplace where everything is commodified, bought and sold, it's probably harder for you to even find authentic hoodoo. Right. Again, I keep quoting Katrina Hazard because I think she's the smartest person. She and I agree. You won't find it. You know, if you want a practitioner hoodoo, you're going to go to the church and find somebody who does it. You're mm-hmm. not going to find, I mean, you might find them online or you might find them in a, in a botanical or a spiritual shop. So this is to say that um, on the one hand, yeah, you know, they take everything. <laughs> they take everything from, and they have a facsimile. And then they buy, and that becomes the thing. The other part that I, that, so I'm okay with it, but this is what I'm not okay with. And this is something that we've seen. There was an argument that, well, it's not an African tradition, that it's not a black tradition. Um, and as I said, there's white hoodoo stuff, there's Appalachian hoodoo, I know people do this, but there, there was a subtle argument and it was followed quickly with, well, white people were enslaved too, and it, it, particularly mm-hmm. the Irish. Mm-hmm. And the argument was that the word hoodoo actually comes from the Irish, which it may, that almost like usurping, um, you know, black, and we've seen this, they do this with everything. Mm-hmm. When I saw that, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this because this is kind of dangerous. In a hundred years, we will be erased from this tradition. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even though there were white slaves and even though there were, no, it, it's not, it's not, it's not the same thing. Right. So that to me is the more insidious and problematic mm-hmm. uh, argument about involvement. Some people also object to when I write about the influences from Native American people, Indian people, and white people, uh, Europeans on this tradition. Um, so I, again, I, I, I can back up those sources. Mm-hmm. I think that, so this is the, this is the long answer. The, uh, I think that anyone can take part in this. Um, they, and not everyone has black, black or African ancestors, mm-hmm. right? Although they probably do because everybody goes back to Africa. So that's kind of interesting to me. But I think that if, 
the ancestors take the lead, you'd be less likely to dabble or to take part in an African tradition. Right. The other objection is just more personal. I, I don't think white people should practice, and I don't know if you can include this, Sam. Okay. <laughs> but this, this comes out of my experience in Vodou, mm-hmm. you know, because I've been in, in Black Vodou houses, I've been in Haitian houses, and I've been in white houses. The white people don't have soul. And I will say that they don't have soul. Well, what do you, what do you mean? And they get all red mm-hmm. and they get tears in their eyes because I'm being very sincere. And the, the, some of them know exactly what I'm saying. And they're like, yeah, but it's like, you do not have soul. And I can't describe it the way when you sing, even right. when you shout. I saw this white woman, this is an aside. I think she was one of the advisors to President Trump. And she was shouting. Oh, yes. You know, Uh I was like, I'm looking close to her. I'm like, that's still a facsimile. That's a parrot. And she's she's made a lot of money off of being a minstrel. So they can be hoodoo minstrels, Mm. but they don't have the soul. The juju, the soul, right. The thing, I can't describe it. And Mm -hmm. it's hard. But so that's why I don't have an issue. Um, but I know a lot of people are so angry that I'm on this. Well, I'm in right now on Facebook. There's one they don't want the white people, and there's one that has them in there. And there's just so much anger at what what they see as the obliviousness of these mm-hmm. well-meaning white people. They don't understand that they they always take. They always right. take, even when they don't. And the other thing, and this happens on Facebook a lot. I know you you know. It always becomes about them. So we're up there talking about hoodoo or so, something spiritual. And when they arrive, it, it shifts. It yes. centers them. Yes. So, and, and that, you know, I, I don't, how do you blame people? That's the nature of white supremacy. So mm-hmm. so the long answer is I, I don't have a problem with it, but I see the problems that emerge from, from white people claiming this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's no different from, any other cultural art form that we've created right okay, they right. they take it and then they do the the the, the thing that's the facsimile or a minstrel mm-hmm. and they make lots of money mm-hmm. um but the, but uh i think that the money thing the commodification is more of a, a big problem. part of it right yeah right right yeah. right Ooh, okay i know i know but you know what i i would be willing to argue i would be willing to argue this mm-hmm. um I, I will say this one thing though. Um, I, while I don't, I don't have a problem with white people saying they practice or part. Uh, I think that African American hoodoo is separate from what other people do. So there's mm. lots of hoodoo practitioners. There's one I know. He he says, "Well, I do Appalachian hoodoo. I know people here in this state. They do hoodoo, but it's not. It's it's and powwow work. That's mm-hmm. not black." So there is a Black and an African-American tradition of hoodoo that includes ancestral veneration. And then there's all other kinds there's of others. I think what right. Katrina, yeah, the market, what she calls marketeered hoodoo. Um, and I, you know, that that's a, that's a whole nother conversation. Okay. Um, so that, that's my position. So I get but it. It's, it's more so that you're saying that there's different categories there's different categories of hoodoo and so yeah y'all can do quote you can be in hoodoo you're not going to be in black hoodoo because you don't have the the sauce the sasson to even yes to 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 effectively do black hoodoo. you can't do that but y'all can do your stuff but it's not going to be this stuff um, because you can't access this stuff 
There you go. There you go. There you go. You I get, get it. it. You I get, get it. it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Now, I, that's my first time understanding hoodoo as being a bigger term and including other groups. And I, maybe that's another interview or another con- conversation because I've never heard of Appalachian hoodoo or other folks yeah. calling hoodoo <gasps> hoodoo. I thought hoodoo was just a black thing yep. in general. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. But see, this is the danger in a hundred years. If people have their way, that will be the, the, the other hoodoo is going to be what hoodoo is. So that's why I say right. as long as we, if we keep this with the ancestral tradition, if we keep this, then we say it's Africana or, you know, it, it's it. clear, Interesting. but you know, so yeah, it, yeah, there's lots of different hoodoos. That's something that's really interesting to me. It's regional. Um, it's, um, it, you got Christian hoodoo now. You got, you know, so a lot hmm. of it is just a matter of people labeling it. Um, they said, well, I always did this. Some people call it witchcraft, but mm-hmm. the, I, I'm, I'm seeing the varieties. And that's that's really interesting to me, the varieties of it. And that, that fits into your earlier question that nowadays it's much more likely, African-American hoodoo is much more likely to be eclectic and include some things that the ancestors might not have done, like, you know, crystals or Reiki or something mm-hmm. like that. You mm-hmm, see? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Fair. I got you. I got you. Okay. Um, <laughs> that was good. I got you. So we're closing out. I do want to ask you one more question um, as we finish up. And I just want to know your advices to, to younger hoodoos, to folks studying Africana religions. And what do you think is important for us to carry as we continue on this, this tradition, this legacy, these questions, these ideas? Like, what do you have to, yeah. to bestow on us? As good. We- We've already talked about the ancestral roots. Mm-hmm. Um, that that I think that's like the first thing before you get into anything exotic or you know you you go to your ancestors. But along with that, and now that I'm older, I'm beginning to really appreciate this. Is um, turning to the the, the living elders. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Hazard uh, and I were talking about this. Um, there really is not a council of elders. The people who were there, the people who have the wisdom, um, and I don't really know if the young people are turning. I mean, you said even in your family, you're, you it, it, you've come back to your, to your grandparents, but I, I or your grandmother. I know a lot of young people either don't have those relationships, yeah, um, or they don't. They learn from books. Right. I would say the living book is the book that we need to, and we need to do this soon because a lot of the a lot of us uh, the elders are leaving right now and that's not an accident i mean people are like oh all these people are dying it's not this this is this it we are getting ready to shift to the next generation so seeking out the elders respectfully all right uh looking to them for wisdom i would say that that's up there with ancestors if you want to really take this this tradition seriously and be a part of it you know it's like it's like joining a a a religion house or joining an africana religion Mm -hmm. you got a god you got godparents and you you respect them you learn from them we don't we don't have that in hoodoo because it's not a religion but i think the format is still the same Ooh, that was a spicy statement it's not a religion we didn't get to get into that but (laughs) we're gonna keep going I see. Yeah, no, this well, that's my book. It's like it's 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 religion like, but it's not a religion. Mm. Um, it's a cult. It's cultural though, because people treat it like it's religion, like it's sacred. But um, 
you must you must listen to the elders you mm -hmm. must respect the elders and that i i find young people are in such a hurry like i was when i was younger and i'm talking about younger than you because you're mm -hmm. actually you're actually moving toward the middle like almost an old elder you know heaven forbid not 60 but you know <laughs> but the younger people are very impatient like we all are you've mm -hmm. got to turn to those people who hold the wisdom or else mm -hmm. that will be lost or even worse speaking of white people they're the ones who will go in and, and sit for hours and days at the feet of these people collecting their stories mm. so um so that would be my advice seek out the elders if they're not in your family you have a community of elders um it takes digging it takes dedication because this yeah. stuff is they're not on the internet yes Mm -hmm. um so so that would be my advice the, the ancestral piece don't forget that and um study history mm -hmm. and you know that I was just in an argument about that well he's white I was like he wrote one of the best books ever and I shouldn't have told you he was white I don't care if it's history you can tell as soon as you open it um study history study books and then talk to talk to the elders those who came uh before you who can give you some wisdom about, about it Mm -hmm. you know and and that's that's my advice i already sound like an elder i just turned 60 and i sound like an elder <laughs> you, listen, you are you young people listen but i mean there's something to that right because because people are leaving people are leaving the mm. body right now there mm -hmm. is a collective that is forming yeah. a powerful collective so we got to get what we can right now so but it's beautiful i i love the work you're doing i love the teaching that you're doing I, I you know you're very disciplined about it um I I know a lot of people dabble in this stuff and they have fun and it is fun and it is beautiful but this is work yes. they called it work before they called the it work they called mm -hmm. it work so I I I respect that you know that let me just say this we you and I'm gonna blow okay, one second one second because it's one that okay Okay. Okay. Okay, we're good. I will just say that you that you and people like you who are doing this, promoting this, are doing a great service, all right? Because you're you're honest. It's clear you're not doing this for the money and you're not doing this for the fame or whatever. So that's what I would encourage you. That's all that I have to offer to continue doing this work on behalf of other people. Uh, on behalf of the younger people so mm -hmm. so I thank you for that because this was not around when I was writing and I'm just so happy to see that uh this is a topic of conversation because it's important to us this yes. is this is our this is a heritage project this is this is our heritage yes. and it might be endangered I don't think it is but it might be endangered. So mm -hmm. I'm glad you take it seriously. Yes, I do. And thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for your work. Thank you for leaving us with things that we can okay. that we can learn from and incorporate and 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 think on. I'm going to be thinking on a lot of things that you said today. Um, and I also often am returning to your book. So just, I appreciate you too for creating the space for me to be able to create the space for other people to keep creating space. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for this wonderful interview. And I know Thank folks you. are gonna love gonna love us so thank you so much okay all you need is a little juju ooh, ooh, ooh. i hope that you all enjoyed that episode and that interview with professor and got all the good juju tea and juju scholarship 
I forgot to ask her during the interview if there was ways to, you know, check out her work and who she is. And um, I want to plug her site, academichoodoo.com. Of course, it'll be in the show notes, but academichoodoo.com. And there you can access Professor Chereau's, uh information about hoodoo, just more. You can read up on it um, and, and keep in contact with her work and, and know kind of what she does and the academic papers she's written, etc. And then, yes, please get Black Magic. <laughs> please get Black Magic. I will also have the link to that in the show notes. She also talks a lot about other traditions too. I, I think I saw something on Judaism, Black folks' relationship to Judaism and just other spiritual practices. So please check her out and just thank you to you again, Professor Sherelle, and thank y'all for listening. Now, if you want to reach out to me or you want to tap in, of course, you can email me at itsjujubae.com, I-T-S-J-J-B-A-E.com. You can find me on Instagram at itsjujubae. You can find me on Twitter at itsjujubae. I always forget to say a little juju podcast is my podcast page on Instagram. And, um... Oh, my TikTok. I never shout out my TikTok, but I'm itsjujubae on TikTok as well. So feel free to follow me. I just cut up on it so you can find me on there but thank y'all so much for listening i appreciate you of course happy october happy spooky season happy hoodoo heritage month and remember all you need is a little juju later manifested everything gives me props i'm spiritually rounded while i'm on the top my spirit's surrounded so i'll never drop drop